welcome to Too Old, Too New Comic Book Podcast. Welcome to episode three of Too Old, Too New Comic Book Podcast. My name is Bill Beer, and tonight I'm joined, and tonight, tonight, obviously I'm drinking, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host Seth Howard. Howdy. Good afternoon. How you doing? How you doing? I got to get used to this tonight because I'm West Coast, you're East Coast. Yes. So I'm like, it's daytime, man. We talked tonight, but I'm doing yeah. great. So. <laughs> yeah, it's nine o'clock here. So, yeah, yeah, not so much here. So, yeah, no. yeah. So. <laughs> doing well. Very doing cool. good. If you're joining us for the first time, Too Old, Too New is about comic books. We do two old comic books. Anything is, is up for grabs. And we do two new comic books, which. Um, new as in the last year or so. Yeah, about like yeah, because we had the so how old is old and how old is new? So. Right, 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 right. So, and tonight, do we want to start off with old or new? I'm good. We'll start off with the old ones, I guess. You know. You okay. Know. And then to the new. What are we reading okay. now? Okay. You want to get started? Yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, my old one. So it's funny, we're talking about superheroes and stuff, and hey, we haven't done any Batman yet. I broke that rule this time <laughs> for both old and new, but here's why. is because with this new rebirth getting ready to start, changes coming up at DC, um, I thought, let's go and read some comics that really deal with some changes as far as um, old you know, DC, because DC goes through this pattern. We'll do this, then five or ten years down the road, they switch stuff up. So... But I didn't want to do it on such a grand scale. You know, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to read Infinite Crisis on Infinite Earth, and we're going to discuss that because, well, we don't have time for that. So. Yeah, <laughs> so that would I, take a while. Yeah, it might take a little bit, you know, like who, what, where, how, why. So I went down to my old my uh, my old long box. Well, I got two of them. and thought, what's a good story that really kind of changed the status quo of comics and where we were at? I'm kind of searching. All of a sudden, it just popped into mind. Yep. Perfect issue to cover changes in comics and changing the status quo, and that is Batman 424. You know Bat- what story is? Batman 424. Not. Um, wait a second. Do I know that one? It's right before Death in the Family. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. Well, basically, it's the storyline that started the downfall of Jason Todd. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So Batman 424 came out in October 1988, you know, so I was, well, I was 10. I didn't read this story back when I was 10. I was probably, I think, honestly, like 12 or 15 when I really got into Batman and started buying old stuff and the death of the family and stuff and reading them. And so this comic is kind of like, you know, to the normal comic person, they're kind of going, wow, why would they kill uh, a Robin? Why would they kill Jason Todd, let alone, you know, the 800 number to dial? Or was it a 900 number? Yeah, it no. was a 900 number. 900 number to dial. Because <laughs> they made so, you pay, pay like, uh, I don't know, 199 or 299 or something like that. Well, he died. So, but you had to go, okay, so, so they're going to kill Robin. And you, when I was younger, I didn't think much of it, of how much, why they wanted to do it or do it. And then it's when you get older and you read that, well, nobody really liked Jason Todd as Robin. It's, it's what the basically over-encompassing was. He just never quite fit in, really. Um, and so 
you read these stories about, okay, well, let's make the readers not like Jason Todd. So it really wasn't through fault of Jason Todd or the, I mean, the initial writers of Jason Todd. It's just never caught on. So the writers basically decided, you know, and really it was Denny O'Neill deciding uh, who's the editor to, okay, we're going to make people not like him. And we're going to start it with this issue, basically, as far as a blatant attempt to make Jason Todd not likable. And really what it is is the cover of it. Jason Todd standing up on the skyscraper, and there's a guy falling to the street below. <laughs> Does that ring a bell now? I believe so. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, – I love the thing, though. 1988, 75 cents for a comic. Oh, so good. Such a good price. This one's still in great shape. So here we go. So this one is called The Diplomat's Son, and it's here's And Jason Todd is swinging in and says, no – Anyway, written by Jim Starlin, the penciler was Doc Bright, inker was Steve Mitchell, uh, letterer was by Costanza, and the colors, uh, the colorist was Adrian Roy, and obviously it was edited by Denny O'Neill. This was that time period where Denny O'Neill was the main editor in Batman. Right. And then Dan Raspler was the assistant editor. One of the greatest things about going through these old comics, though, is the old ads for stuff for, you know, when I was a kid, and it was like... Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean... Like, the very back page is the greatest thing. Iron Sword, Wizards and Warriors 2, and it's Fabio dressed up like Conan. I mean, come on. It doesn't get better than that. Or you have the advertisements for for different movies from the 80s and, and whatnot. So crazy. Well, anyway, so Batman 424. And it's uh, the title is, yeah, The Diplomat's Son. Uh, basically, it starts off with this little uh, talking up top. Jason Todd Robin hears the scream and his instincts take over. He has no way of foreseeing the mess he's swinging into. Jason is about to experience the real downside of fighting crime, about to learn that the good guys don't always win. He's about to meet the diplomat's son. So, so basically, Jason Todd swings in, hears a woman scream, crashes through this big window of this uh, skyscraper and. uh all of a sudden, this guy comes out of this bat, uh, this bedroom and says, Madre Dios, what do you want? And uh, so the guy's speaking, you know, half Spanish and so forth. Anyway, the guy comes over, swings at Jason, says, leave or I will kill you. And Jason just starts beating him up. All of a sudden, another guy appears, and he's got this big old bowie knife, goes after Jason because the other guy says, kill him. So he starts fighting him and uh, says, uh, Juan's good with that bowie knife, too good for Robin to handle on his own. Fortunately, the lad isn't alone. And, you, and it shows a bubble that says, me amigo. <laughs> all of a sudden, you Batman standing there. Uh, why don't you try someone more your own size? And uh, the guy obviously goes after Batman, and Batman just, you know, just takes him out. And the greatest thing about this panel is um, it says 20 seconds later, and it shows Batman talking to Robin. The first guy that Robin beat up is kind of nursing his elbow. But the guy who went after Batman with his <laughs> bowie knife is, like, bent over backwards <laughs> in the wall. Yeah, I just – uh downloaded that issue so i got oh. it in front of me oh isn't that so great like his legs <laughs> yeah he's oh, been over backwards in the wall love it. 20 seconds later and there it is you know so uh basically i love how batman's calling him lad all you know you, you shouldn't have allowed yourself to be forced into a corner like that lad so that's the second time he calls him lad i was like i don't think i've ever heard batman use lad before you know that i think of um so Batman's like, what made you come in? He's like, a woman's scream. I think it came from this bedroom. So he goes and opens it up. And uh, this woman, you can tell, she's just beat up in the face saying, please, please, please don't hurt me. So, hey, when you download these, does it have the old ads in there? No. Or no? Uh, that'd be so good if it had the ads. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, half hour later at the police headquarters, um, they take her in and this woman's given her a statement to this other officer. Uh, he beat me, he kidnapped me and so forth. And, uh, um, kidnapping, assault, resisting arrest. Philippe's about to spend some hard time is what Robin says, you know, cause Philippe was the main bad guy and Juan was his, his, uh, bodyguard. And all of a sudden, Commissioner Gordon, I'm afraid you're wrong about that, Robin. And Robin says, what are you talking about? Says, Philippe says Miss Stanson came to the apartment of her own uninvited, uh, on her own uninvited. Story is Gloria got her black eye banging into the door when she tripped. Claims Gloria is trying to cause him trouble because he had broken off their affair. And then Juan backs up the story. So <laughs> two against one, basically. Uh, one thing I point out with this is <clears throat> from reading the comics, this is the one style of Gordon I just don't care for, honestly, this this uh, late 80s square-rimmed glasses Gordon. It's just the one that just, to me, just doesn't feel like Commissioner Gordon, I guess, you know. So I just point very that, white hair. Very, very white hair. I mean, it's like, you know, give him a little soul patch. It's like Colonel Sanders, not as big, but when these glasses, it's right. just, it just has that weird look to it. It was, he looks like an 80s older businessman type. And I'm like, this is Commissioner Gordon. And the other thing on the previous page, you know, they're down at the police headquarters. It's a skyscraper. You know, it's <laughs> definitely an 80s feel for Gotham. You know, it's ever these time periods. Um, the one thing I will note, though, is I this is what I talk about when I say I miss the multi-panel pages. I love old comic style like this. Um, yes. I should take a picture of a panel and post it on my Twitter today saying, man, does anyone else miss this old multi-panel? I love it. I, today's art is gorgeous and these these big layouts, but this panel is just great. I think for me, takes me back to when I was a kid reading comics. Panels are great. So, um, it breaks it up and I like it. Uh, anyway, they can't prove that, uh, this woman was assaulted or accosted by, um, Felipe, um, or Philippe. And so he's going to let go. And then the other part is, well, even if we were able to crack their story, they're lying. He's got diplomatic immunity. Oh, the old <laughs> diplomatic immunity. So, the uh, long-told, uh, basically uh, off-misquoted lie is that this diplomatic immunity applies to assault and ra- rape and kidnapping. <laughs> Murder. It <laughs> It applies to parking tickets, stuff like that. <laughs> and although we do see diplomatic immunity used later on in this story arc, why? Well, we know because the Joker becomes a diplomat. A diplomat, yep. Later on, after the death in the family storyline. So, um, but yeah, so basically, Robin is mad. He's just taking this personal. It's kind of interesting how he's just like, that's not fair, not going to happen. And uh, I want this guy, Batman, <laughs> is what he says. And Batman says, well, you can't have him, at least not for what he did to Glorious, uh, Glorious Danson. Um, but that doesn't mean we're done with that little creep, is what Batman says. And then, uh, what have you got in mind? So basically, they're going to keep watching him. They're going to keep following him. Uh, they're going to research about him. You know, we're going to find out more about him. Great picture of the uh, late 80s Batmobile uh, there on that bottom right panel, if you see oh, yeah. that. <laughs> the uh, double bubble windshield right. is awesome. <laughs> That's like out of the uh, the TV show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> double bubble. So good. Basically, uh, the fact that the Bat computer uh, hacks into the CIA computer files, which is applicable for today. <laughs> let's see what the cia has on this guy and um find out that uh, felipe's dad is a powerful right-wing political strongman down in bogotago not 
Bogota, like Colombia, but Bogotago. <laughs> so, and then uh, the CIA suspects him of smuggling coke into our country. And uh, and it seems like Philippe has been sampling some of his father's wares. Oh, because there's a whole conversation between Batman and Robin about how Philippe was high on dope. <laughs> Didn't you notice? Um, otherwise, uh, oh, here he goes. Uh, but what do we got to do with Felipe? And he says, you've apparently become too emotionally involved with this case, Jason. Otherwise, you would have noticed Felipe's hyperactivity, shaky hands, and pinpoint pupils. And Robin goes, you mean? And Batman, yes, Felipe was stoned when we busted him. I had suspect <laughs> he was full of cocaine. <laughs> so, now, I don't know if my vernacular is correct, but I thought stoned was getting high off of, like, marijuana, and cocaine was just high. Who? I mean, that's just the vernacular. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, they come to decide that we're just going to watch and wait. They want to bust him while he's holding, basically holding cocaine or drugs on him. As Batman's saying, we're going to wait to catch him while he's holding because that becomes a federal crime as far as drug trafficking. And then he'll get deported, basically get sent back to Bogotago. Um, next scenes, they're up on a building watching, and it's got uh, Robin just pacing back and forth, um, which is funny. This is the pic- this is the panel I took a picture of because it, it's just such great panels. Uh in these old comics is you just don't, you don't get these in today's comics. And I was going through newer issues and stuff and they really just don't panel it like this anymore. No, so. no, they don't. So next panel, all of a sudden Batman's like, let's go. He's actually traveling with two bodyguards. Now. So that means there's probably something big going on. They follow him into this. Uh, this is the great thing. They park in front of a dilapidated apartment building that just screams, buy your dope here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> it actually says that. Yeah. It screams, buy your dope here. It's so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's a fourth floor walk-up scheduled for demolition. Supposedly no tenants. The rhythmic knock on the door is obviously an entry code. Who is it? It's me, Felipe. Open up. And uh, so they open up this little flat, and it's all these dudes just standing around in this big old trunk full of cocaine, basically. Felipe says, you know, I need some more. <laughs> Uh, and like the guy running it has these sideburns that kind of shaved down. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like Abe Lincoln almost. Except it's shaved in the middle. It's yeah, weird. yeah, it's odd. Az al Ghul sort of, who knows? Um, all of a sudden Batman just kicks in the door and, uh, so you got a multi-panel here and then you go to, and it's just straight up two pages of fighting. It's pretty sweet. I mean, it's old school. No, nothing written, nothing, you know, it's just drawn out. Batman and Robin just dealing out some street justice, just beating up these dudes. And then uh, the great part is, this is the last of them, and Robin says, not quite. Let's not forget Felipe over there. He's all yours, is what Batman tells Robin. Robin walks over, come on, Felipe, be a sport. Resist my taking you in. <laughs> he's all, please resist. And, like, Felipe is just, like, cuddling in a ball. <laughs> and he says he doesn't. So Robin's mad that he doesn't get to beat the dude up, basically. So yeah. he, he becomes this whiny kid of, we gotta take him down, we gotta take him down. Oh, resist, I wanna beat you up. Uh, they take him downtown. An hour later, Philippe's lawyer springs him from custody, but this time, Jose's son is booked. So the first time he got arrested, he took to the police precinct, he didn't even get booked, you know. But this time he was booked, and, uh, his, uh, we have to release him, but Washington's already gotten the word. Philippe's recall is only days away. And uh, Robin says, have a nice trip back to Bogotago, scumbag. And uh, this part's just great. So uh, come along, Felipe. Let's just get out of here. And he says, uno momento. I have a phone call to make before we go. So he does this in front of Batman and Robin. 
And he calls up. He goes, it's me, Felipe. Did I wake you? Are you looking really foxy tonight, babe? I'll be over to see you later uh, tonight. Uh, we'll talk more then, Gloria. Hasta, hasta luego. So he calls up Gloria, the gal he beat up before. And Robin just flips his lid. You animal, you dirty, stinking animal. <laughs> so he goes and makes his phone call right in front of him. You know, basically just, yeah. <laughs> Batman has to hold Robin back. It's not worth it. And I love that Gordon goes, Gloria, that poor girl. You know, instead of sending over some guards or whatever, you know. Yeah. She's got to be in a panic. I'll get her phone number from the arrest sheet. And uh, Robin tries calling her. Answer, answer. Um, you know, she's not picking up. Then all of a sudden Gordon goes, I don't like this. So Robin leaves first. Batman's right behind him. They knock on her door. There's no answer. They're in the, uh, checking everywhere. Check the bedroom is what Batman tells Robin. He says, I'll check the kitchen. Oh no, no. And then you see it, which is pretty graphic for a Batman comic back in the day is Gloria hung herself. Yeah. From a sprinkler in her bedroom. Gloria had been like cracked crystal, still beautiful, but somehow you'd be afraid to touch for fear of shattering her. So she was too fragile for a world inhabited by monsters like Felipe Garzonas. I should have seen that. I should have. And then, you know, Batman, so many should haves, but Dennis, I call for an ambulance to take her to the morgue. But when I get off the line, Robin gone, you know, Robin's gone. And all of a sudden he's got to be heading for, we know Robin's heading to a uh, foolish Felipe. Okay, so I keep saying both because Felipe would have the uh, breathing mark up top, but it doesn't. So it's uh-huh. Felipe. Uh-huh. I apologize throughout this podcast for using both. Um, <laughs> but it's heading to Felipe's apartment. And I love Felipe's last words here, basically, in America. Well, Felipe, the good life was sweet while it lasted. Uh, adios, Estados Unidos. Uh, it will not be easy for me back in Bog- Bogotago. Father will be furious. No more cocaine. How sad. (laughs) No more liberated American women either. I'm going to miss those silly little creatures. In Gotham, I'll miss this lady also. I wonder if I will ever return to this neon city. And and so he steps outside onto his balcony, and all of a sudden there's Robin standing on his balcony. Felipe. And Felipe drops his drink that he's drinking. Turn the page, and next panel's a full panel, you know, lengthwise panel of Felipe falling down the side of a building and just going, <laughs> and Batman shows up, swings in. Robin, what happened? Looks at Batman, looks away. Robin, did Felipe fall or was he pushed? Robin looks back. I guess I spooked him. He slipped. And then Robin just goes <laughs> away. And that's the end of it. <laughs> and so that comic right there, and you read the stories on this whole Jason Todd and why did we kill him? This is the starting point for everybody, you know, editorial, the writers, uh, and then eventually the fans turning against Jason Todd, allowing for him to be basically killed by the Joker in Death uh, death in the Family. So Yeah, after stories like this, are we really surprised that Jason Todd got it? Oh, no, definitely not. And that's <laughs> a, look at it, and the funny thing is, is that, Everybody always blames the fans for voting for him to die. I mean, that's when it, that's, I remember, you know, 10 years ago when I was getting back into, okay, so why did Robin die? You know, what was the whole reasoning? And you start reading online about it. People are like, oh, the editors and this. And then you read some interviews with like Denny O'Neill and Jim Starlin and they talk about how it, well, it really wasn't the fans' fault. <laughs> it was editorial. No, no. Because 
they created him, you know, they came out so quickly, they created him. You know, originally he was a clone, basically, of Dick. I mean, he was just a straight clone. And then they switched that up to where, you know, here's this kid stealing the wheels off of the Batmobile, literally. <laughs> and because they're thinking, well, Batman needs Robin with him. So, you know, because Dick had turned into Nightwing. What do we do? Well, let's introduce this guy. And he just never really caught on. And, you know, the fans will say, well, we like Jason Todd. Other ones will say, no, we didn't. But I think editorial basically said, no, we don't like him. Nobody liked Jason Todd before he died. What's that? They didn't even flesh out his character that much. They didn't give him the time to catch on. So it wasn't, it was editorial that killed him off, you know. And, uh, but this is the comic that where they set up said, okay, this is what we're going to do, but we can't just kill him. So let's get, make sure that the fans don't like him so they won't miss him. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So, it quite literally, you know, Batman 424, uh, Jason Todd kills the diplomat's son, basically. <laughs> Just drops him off of the uh, balcony of a multi, multi-story uh, building. So, <laughs> so that's a pretty good old one, I think. And uh, the great thing about, again, going through these old comics, the art is great, honestly. I love that the old, uh, that Batman style where the cowl and the cape are one piece, if you notice yeah. the art on I like that look. Uh, the ears are the right length. The coloring's nice. Um, but it's the paneling that I love, uh, on these old issues. You know, it's, it's not overly busy, not saying that new comics are, but this has a definite pattern that you follow as you're reading it and it looks great. So I don't want to discount new artists because new art's amazing, but the old panel style, I would love if, you know, DC came out with just one comic with old panels. I think it would sell well, you know, yeah. as a, a throwback style um, with panels. So, um, but it's good. It's a, you know, classic Jim Starlin story, but yeah, it's literally the first issue and the downfall of Jason Todd. So that's, that's my old one. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. So my old one, I'm going to stick in the eighties. And my book is, uh, I just read it actually reread it recently. I haven't read it in a long, long time. And it's a character that they redid in the New 52, and I didn't really read it or catch on, and it eventually got canceled. But my issue is Captain Adam, number one, from March 1987, by Carrie Bates and Pat Broderick. Have you ever read this? I have not. Honestly, I've never read much Captain Adam, actually, so. Yeah, me either. I mean, I read this one a little bit, but. And he he had been in some Justice League type books like early '90s, you know, yeah. international Justice League Europe type of thing. Yeah. But this is this is starts out pretty serious because in the opening panel you see him he's like a test subject sitting in this little like egg that's open up and he's got wires coming out of him and he's telling a joke trying to keep his mind off this experiment that he volunteered for. And the only reason he really uh, volunteered for this experiment is because Nathaniel Adam was found guilty of treason. And if he survives this experiment, he gets to have his sentence commuted and he goes away scot-free. And our lead villain, as I I call him in this uh, first issue, is General Ealing. Do you remember him at all? No, that doesn't sound familiar at all. In the Justice League books, and I don't remember off the top of my head, he w- he 
morphed into another character, but I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who who he was, but he's basically this general who hopes the guy dies. He has a grudge against him or something like that. And then there's this Doctor Magala who's in charge of this experiment. And as I say, Nathaniel Adam is telling these jokes to keep his mind off everything. He has a a wife and a child at home who really hope he survives this experiment. And, of course, he left a letter with General Ealing to give to his wife in case something happens. The guy who he hates. Right. And you see him him in a couple panels ripping up the letter. (laughs) Nice. So, So, basically, there's this explosion, or it looks like an explosion, it's like a quantum experiment of some sort. And it looked like he's turned in some kind of molten lava of some sort. And the, the, the next page, you basically see this explosion and he looks like a molten man, like a lava type man who's shooting beams out of his hands and he shoots down a plane. I believe it was a F-111, they said. Oh, nice. And he and they call to the base because it's on a military base. They go and capture this molt man, knock him out, basically, take him into this chamber, has him down on a bed, and he goes through this what they call molten process. And you see, he actually turns into Captain Adam, what we know as Captain Adam, all silver and everything. And the guy that got called to the scene basically is General Ealing. And when Captain Adam wakes up, he sees General Ealing and says, Wow, what happened to you? You look so old. And the general says, Clear the room. Take the sound off the room. I don't want anybody hearing what this... I need to talk to this creature alone. Hmm. So basically what happened is when they did this uh, experiment, it sent him 18 years into the future. And he's telling Nathaniel Adam, he's like saying... uh, John Wayne's dead. And he says, the Duke, not the Duke. (laughs) Martin Luther King is dead. Robert Kennedy is dead. He says, that's a lie. Lyndon Johnson, Hubert Humphrey, Jack Benny, all in the ground. And he says, I want to call my wife. He says, your wife is dead also. They kind of gas him in this chamber. And you see this doctor, Magella, and he's in like this wheelchair with all these wires. He looks like something from some sci-fi movie he said something must have happened with space-time when he went into the fourth dimensional continuum we call space-time and he went he got bumped into the future when we did this experiment so we we jump ahead a little bit and uh they're shooting nathaniel adam in a rocket i guess to, to like kill him general ewing wants to to off him but he escapes and he meets up with uh, this Dr. Magala, who basically said, you're, you're, you're not the man you used to be. And they kind of go through what his powers are and kind of, I guess, sort of a training just to see what his powers are. And he has super strength and he has like a quantum power that shoots energies out of his fist. And General Ealing is kind of spying on their little retreat where they're with Captain Adam. And you f- you find out in the end that General Ealing, 
actually married Captain Adam's wife. Oh. <laughs> I guess he didn't get that letter to her. Right. Probably not. Oops. <laughs> yeah. And she died in 1982, and I guess his daughter is still alive, and she won't know know you because she won't recognize you. And basically, he gets bribed that the President of the United States will give you a total pardon if you come work for the United States. And General Ealing is going to be behind that. And that starts off this whole series is the government has their first superhero. Nice. Uh, named Captain Adam, and he has his little symbol on his chest because he can make himself, which I never realized that he can make himself look like uh, other people. Oh, okay. Which I don't remember that from, and it might be just in this series. Gotcha, yeah, because I'm like, hmm. But yeah, Inter- and, go ahead. I was say interesting as far as um, him being able to change himself and stuff and looking because I thought he would just always have like those uh, – the atomic powers and stuff really yeah. is all that he had. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not too sure about the origin of this character. I know he was a, originally a charlatan character, comics character. Yeah, which DC took over a ton of the old, yeah. the old yeah. charlatan stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and he was a different name then. His name was Alan. Mm, yeah. Alan Adam then. And I don't know too much about his origin or anything like that, but in the Force Pilot. And I know yeah, I looked, it went. It went like yeah. I believe it went. Did it go like fifty some issues? I believe. Let me see here. So he this, first appeared as Alan in Space Adventures number thirty three, March nineteen sixty. Wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that's cool though. It is. It's very. Guys. Going back to read it, I couldn't remember anything about this character really. Yeah. Other oh, than see, he this, had these powers. This is one thing I remember reading before about how when the Watchmen was written, Captain Adam was the inspiration for Dr. Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole lot of, they wanted to bring him into the DC universe and um, they didn't know how, and that's what they wanted Alan Moore to do, but he ended up just basically writing the Watchmen versus reintroducing everybody in DC because they were all Tarleton uh, people. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Old comics. Good stuff. There's so much good stories out there. See, that makes me now want to go back and, okay, I'm going to go find this issue and read it now. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's cool to have, you know, because you get a lot of these guys, well, you know, especially in the 80s when comics were really, you know, they're in their heyday now, but not so much as they were in the 80s. You know, this resurgence, the 80s was a big resurgence of all these lower level characters getting their own books and, you know, being recreated and stuff. Um, now we're stuck with, so many titles of the same hero, and it's unfortunate because some of the lesser-known characters kind of get set on the back burner, kind of get pushed to the side and stuff. So that's what's really cool about going through and us looking at these old comics and seeing, hey, cool, you know, there's this old comic hero here, and then there's this old comic and so forth. So, yeah. So one more quick thing. I was talking about General Ealing, and the supervillain that he ended up turning into was the Shaggy Man, from mm-hmm. Grant Morrison's JLA run. Yeah. After I was looking it up, because the Ealing sounded a little familiar, so I'm up on uh-huh. Wikipedia, and I'm like, okay, there's the guy. <laughs> yeah. Because now he's like, because it's, you know, he's 10 foot 5 and, you know, locked up. <laughs> right. He's dying of cancer and wants to find the first Shaggy Man and get his powers is what it was. So, yeah, because the Shaggy Man was indestructible, indestructible right. or couldn't die, something right. like that. So, so interesting. It would be interesting to read a little bit of that old run and then, 
the new run with the new 52, because I remember the new 52 is part of the flash, wasn't it? Somewhere in the new 52 and it was friend or foe or something. I remember seeing the cover. It was a one shot though, I think for captain Adam when they reintroduced him, I thought. No, they had a series. I don't know. It went like 10 issues or something like that. Oh, so it was part of that first initial release that, you know, said 10 issues and then they dropped it and so forth. So yeah, something like that. It just didn't catch on. Which is unfortunate sometimes. Yeah. Well, very cool. Nice. We're on to two new. <laughs> new. Do you want to go first on the two new? Or yeah, I can go to... first. You go first. Okay. Let's switch it up. So cool. my uh, new book is something that I haven't read in several years, but I picked up the first issue um, about six months ago. And I really like the change that they made. And my first, my new issue is going to be Daredevil number three from 2016. And to get you caught up on where we're at with Daredevil, um, at the last bunch of years, they revealed his, uh, secret identity to the public and everybody knew that uh, Matt Murdock was the defense attorney and he was also Daredevil. But when this is, this uh, series started, from the beginning, Daredevil wasn't in his red costume anymore. He was in his black with little red costume, little red in it. Mm-hmm. And his secret identity was back. Nobody knew that he was Daredevil. And instead of a defense attorney, he was working for as a prosecutor for the city of New York. Well, that's different. <laughs> yes, that's very different. And... He had a, a protege or sidekick named Blind Spot, and Blind Spot is basically an illegal alien working as a superhero that he's training, and basically he's some martial arts, but he has a suit that has like invisibility. He doesn't have any powers, but the suit has. Him. And this uh, series is written by Charles Soule as the writer. Ron Garney is the artist, and Matt Miller is the color artist. Well, Charles Soule left DC then. Yes. Okay. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah, because yep. he was doing um. The last I remember, he was doing Swamp Thing. Yeah, before yeah, he started off with the New Fifty Two doing uh, was it Superman and Batman or just Superman, and then he switched over to Swamp Thing after Snyder. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. So we jump right into the middle of a story and. Really, he's been battling this guy called Ten Fingers, who has a church of Ten Fingers, and he he reminds me a lot of Batman the Cult. You mm-hmm. know, they had that I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but they had him uh, getting people to come in that he was this church, and the dude actually has ten fingers. He can blackfire on each hand. He has ten fingers on each hand. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of odd, but at the beginning of this issue, he Daredevil is confronting Ten Fingers, and the hand shows up. Who the hand is is a bunch of ninjas, and they're kind of pissed off that uh, Ten Fingers stole some kind of mystic power from the hand, hmm. and they just want to slaughter Ten Fingers and his group. And Daredevil's not going to stand for that, and he's fighting on the side of Ten Fingers. Not that he agrees with with uh, Ten Fingers, but he's fighting on the side. And eventually they kind of force the hand away and disappear, and he pay, 
tells Ten Fingers the hand's not going to give up. They're going to come and they're going to try to kill you and all your people. And there's going to be some innocents, innocent people in the, the backlash here. And he goes away and him and his sidekick is talking. And uh, he says, who are these hand? I don't know anything about them. And the hand's been around in Daredevil for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he basically explains that they're an ancient Japanese ninja clan. They worship a demon. They call the beast. And in return, he gives them supernatural powers. Which, that's pretty fair, I would guess. Sure. <laughs> so they basically tells them that people are being ro- roped to come to this church. And they're going to be in the crossfire of, of this war that's going on. And he finds out his sidekick is injured, so he gives him a phone number of the night nurse. And if you're familiar with Marvel at all, the night nurse is a nurse. She's not really a nurse at a hospital, but she basically uh, sews up or or, uh, helps out uh, some of the superhero community. And uh, the next scene we flash back, you see Daredevil and his boss. And his boss is pretty upset. Not Daredevil, but Matt Murdock. And this boss is pretty upset. The lead district attorney is uh, pretty upset at uh, Matt Murdock because he had a witness that was going to take down Ten Fingers, and they were in FBI custody. And basically, his his witness decided he wasn't going to be a witness anymore because Ten Fingers got to him. And he says, "You screwed up." He says, "I'm not happy about it." And he says, "You're going to start doing ECAB cases, which is." The lower cases, and and uh, Matt Murdock's not too happy about that. But the one thing I forgot to mention is when this started and he started working for the prosecuting attorney, they made his office in a, uh old, abandoned elevator shaft. Because <laughs> he's blind, I guess, and he won't notice. We'll just sh- we don't have an extra office. We'll just shove him in an elevator shaft. God. <laughs> and at the end here, the secretary says, uh, there's somebody waiting for you in the office. And he says, who is it? And she says, brace yourself. And it's Ten Fingers. <laughs> and he says, Mr. Murdoch, so nice to see you. And he says, you'll have to excuse me, but tell me who you are. And he says, of course, my apologies. He says, my name is Ten Fingers, and I've been waiting to meet you to clear up a misunderstanding that we have. And you seem to think I'm some sort of supervillain. And then it's continued next issue. Mm. What's next issue looks like uh, Steve Rogers shows up. So did Marvel just recently do a reboot with characters or this just a second? I mean, another Daredevil well, storyline. Well, they did. They did. Uh, they had Secret Wars last summer. Right. And sort of remade their universe with kind of. The 616 universe and then their ultimate universe. Mm. And they kind of put them all together. And it, it was their not really reboot, reboot to DC's reboot. But it just started. But Daredevil started over pretty fresh. You could jump on that and not know any backstory or anything and follow along with that. Very cool. So I've enjoyed. And I just tried because I like Daredevil at times, but I just wasn't. The past couple runs, I just wasn't didn't get into very much. Yeah, you know, it's funny right now. Daredevil's the only Marvel character that I'm sort of following, but not in comics because the TV show is awesome. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, 
I've been out for knee surgery last week. Uh, and knee surgery. And so, uh, this week is my second week being out from work, you know, on an LOA. And so actually tonight I'm going to start the uh, season two. All my friends have watched it. I've been waiting to binge watch it because I uh, knew you I haven't gotten a season two yet. No, I haven't. No, I saw season okay. one. But see, I've been waiting because I knew I had the surgery plan. It was like, okay, I'm going to just sit down and binge watch it. And uh, this week, my wife and daughter are on vacation in Puerto Vallarta, so I'm like, nobody can interrupt me. So I will, I'm starting to watch it tonight, so I'm sure I'll be done by tomorrow. But oh, I hear yeah. just as awesome as the first season. So And season two um, kicks off. It, it gets right into the story right away. I mean, yeah, somebody was telling me that episode eight, he's like, once you watch episode eight, let me know because it's the best episode of TV he's ever seen is what he told me. So, <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll let you know. So, but cause I was really surprised with it. Um, when the first season came out, cause I'm, I'm not a huge Marvel fan and a friend's like, no, you should watch it. And I really only watched it originally for Vincent D'Onofrio and I was, cause he was, spooky. Oh, he was awesome. <laughs> so, and and you, you didn't you didn't mess with him. My favorite scene and and uh, it was kind of gory is where he snapped that dude's neck oh, with yeah. with the car door. Yeah, wham. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just one of those things. I was just like, my goodness. So yeah, it was. Uh, I just remember watching it, going, oh, I can't get enough of this. And then I'm stoked because when I was. In college, when I read some Marvel, I read The Punisher, you know, because Punisher War Journals yeah. had come out, I guess before then, high school, then college. Punisher War Zone is what it was, or War Journals. Read some of those, and Castle was just awesome. Unfortunately, the movies made him suck, uh, but those were awesome comics back then, and so it was cool that John Bernthal, who's playing him in this, I'm like, okay, cool. Give that guy a spinoff he, series. He <laughs> plays him like you wouldn't believe. Nice. Good. So that's all I've heard is good stuff about it, so... I'll be watching that this week, so yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, cool. So my my new comic, I kind of cheated a little bit because I only liked half of it, so I'm only going to talk about the half I liked. So okay. <laughs> so with this new rebirth coming back out in DC, jumping back into Batman, I've actually went through. You and I have discussed before. I'd quit reading it, but I I went ahead and bought the issues that I was missing. You know, I uh-huh. I got I skimmed through some of them. I'm just not that interested in the last basically ten issues of Batman or Detective. I'm just not interested. That's my own thing. But um, I was flipping through uh, Detective Comics number 50 um, when I was at my shop uh, a couple weeks ago or a week ago, whatever it came out, flipping through. And uh, I was like, okay, I got to get it because my OCD tells me I've got to have number 50. It's got to go in my box because the numbers add up. Didn't care for the first story, but uh, have you read this, the 50? I have not. Okay, so the first story, you know, you still got, um, you know, Gordon as Batman in his suit and running around and chasing this guy. I don't know. But – Whatever. After that story ended, you know, it's almost like an annual size. I mean, it's a double-sized comic almost. And I was like, what the heck? So it goes back to when they were doing the one main story, small short story in the back, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, there's not even really a transition. It shows the last scene with um, Gordon standing there after he took down the bad guy. Uh, You turn the page, and it's just a big panel of just Batman. Oh, sorry, Detective Comics number 50. Um, you know, I do not know, I probably if I read the, who wrote the second story here, let me look at the page, because there is not an info page for the second story. Um, and as far as the artist goes, it looks like it is a bunch of, um, cover artists, basically. Mm-hmm. 
um, doing various covers because it's not actually a whole story. It's just little blurbs, little one little text box talking. Um, Tomasi, Parserin, uh, Passerin, Eaton, Brian Fauscher, and Sotomayor. Um, but again, Tomasi wrote the main story. The other people, the, the first story is called The Bronze Age Martyrs and Mad Men. Uh, but the second part, and you could read some of the artists, um, name, you know, their writing, but I, I don't know who wrote it, I guess. Um, anyway, it starts with Batman, just a big panel of his face. And he goes, hmm, you think the bad guys you take on are strange? Let me paint you a picture, a little picture of an average night in Gotham. And what starts then is a, each individual page literally looks like a comic cover um, with a box on it describing what's happening on the page. And basically Batman is just telling, this is an average night in Gotham. And it says, it starts with where even jewel thieves take to the sky dressed like demons. And it shows Batman and Robin chasing these people literally dressed like demons. You know, not demons, but they look like mm-hmm. ninjas with outfits with helmets with pointed ears. And then the next page is, and underwater death traps beneath the sludge of the East River are just another Tuesday night. And here is Robin uh, trapped in some type of container in the river underneath it, and Batman's trying to unhook him. And it's different artists for each page. Um, next goes to, and don't get me started on spooks and goblins. This is Batman getting ready to throw a batarang at a, uh, a ghost, basically. It says, because nothing's ever as it seems. Next page, uh, Black Mask, great underrated Batman villain, I think. Yeah. Um, Batman's got this mask he's trying to pull off. It says, nothing's ever what it seems. In a city where death's always waiting around the corner, and it shows these other guys who have this black mask mask melted on their face. You know, Batman's trying to get his off with black mask standing behind him. That's, uh, how next- black mask, that's how black mask is supposed to be. The mask is supposed to be melted on his face. I know in the yeah. new 52 they made it like the mask would make you crazy, but you could... There were multiple yep. people that were black masks. Uh, there's some great old black mask stories, which are awesome. So they should release just like a black mask trade paper, you know, back or something about the greatest stories, I think. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, so around the corner, the next page, in the most unexpected ways, and there's this big monster with uh, six arms. Uh, each arm has um, the two top arms have Batman's arms grabbed. The two bottom arms have his legs. And the ones in the middle have a big axe. They're getting ready to chop into him, it looks like. Um, the other part is each Batman has uh, a different look and style of gear, too. Next page is an homage to the old picture of Batman in the uh, spotlight and some clowns going after him. It says, sometimes I want to laugh at the way these freaks come at me. And there's like three clowns coming out with uh, knives and an axe. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's while other nights it makes me want to scream. And here he is. Uh, looks like he's taking down the scarecrow who's, you know, got a horse and buggy. <laughs> People trapped in the back. Uh, next page is at just how insane. There's Batman laying on a pile of toys with like bullet holes shot through them that are all smoking, and all these toys have guns. Um, next page is a you know, calls back to the uh, Batman Year One style. It says it all uh, how stri- how insane it all seems to be. And here it's a cool picture of him holding onto a gargoyle with a gal holding onto him and a biplane shooting at him. Uh, and when I just think I figured it all out. Someone else comes along to turn up the heat, and it looks like uh, Dr. Phosphorus he's fighting here. Um, the next page, uh, and remind me that there's always going to be an 800-pound gorilla in the room, and, of course, there's Gorilla Garage shooting at him with two guns, him and Catwoman. And the next, the final page, just shows him sitting there, and Superman's next to him. <laughs> and Superman says, okay, Batman, maybe you have me beat on the strange front, but how about I talk about Bizarro? <laughs> and Batman says, and how about you don't? Thanks for stopping by. 
it's basically the second part of Detective Comics number 50 is just a conversation between Batman and Superman with mainly just Batman talking about how, you know, you think your guys are strange? Let me tell you about an average night in Gotham. And it's literally one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen pages. Not, you know, not twenty six, but thirteen panels, basically, individual panels of just showing the weird crap that goes on in Gotham. To me, that's awesome. It's just a basic straight. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. You think your guys are strange? This is Gotham on a regular night. So <laughs> that sounds very cool. Yeah. So, um, Bat, uh, Detective Comics number fifty, you know, just came out. This is the uh, May issue, so it's the newest issue. But uh, again, the main story, eh, blah. I read it a little bit. I mean, really, just not into that whole storyline, but. It was kind of get to the back of it and, and see that with the different variations and iterate, uh, iterations of what Batman deals with with Gotham and really um, what Gotham is, which is a bunch of screwed up stuff, you know. Yeah. You of, um, it was just cool little panels and seeing it was a different artist for each panel. It literally could have been just a book of cover art is what it was. So very, very cool. So like I said, kind of a cheat on my new one, um, but it was cool enough, I thought, to – to discuss on here because it was just a very cool something different to look at. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So now I the the Batman stuff. You know they they had the the issue 50 of Batman and they sort of sort of wrapped up that storyline. Mm-hmm. And everything that wrapped up way too. Easy. I mean Batman got his memory back uh-huh. at the end of the issue before. And then he beats this villain who looks like a, a flower bloom. Mr. Bloom, yeah, I yeah. read it. The and whole, then, yeah. okay, so, you know, Commissioner Gordon gets to be commissioner again. Yeah, yeah. That, that well, it's just everything. Stuff. Jim, who died and made you Batman? Or whatever yeah. he's like, really? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> well, I was afraid reading that, that Jim Gordon was going to die at first. Yeah. Because he, he sounded like he was going to die, but I'm glad... Here's what I want with Batman. Get me back to the old Jim Gordon, you know, not this young guy with a uh, shaved side head, you know, just yeah. old Gordon who, hey, I still follow the rules. I'm by the book. I just happen to have Batman with me. You know, right. that, that right. things. this storyline, again, it's one of those storylines we look at and go, what did this do? What changed? What what was the change in status quo for a 10 part storyline? The only thing that really changes if they keep this Alfred part He's going to have a hand. No, I know. He's going to have a hand. But they said his body doesn't have the scar tissue that it had uh, before, that his body got healed, and he's basically a better Batman now because he has, like, a a new body. Right. But it didn't do anything for me, personally. And that's the – you know, I've discussed in older podcasts, these big events – there's got to be a purpose, a point behind them other than to sell comics. Now, as, as a fan, I say that. I think for the companies, it's just to sell comics. I mean, we, I think we all know that. I want a shakeup. You know, it's funny. As we're doing this, I'm going back through and reading 52 again. Not the new 52. I'm reading mm-hmm. 52. And we all know what that happened at the end of that one was, holy crap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of a there big shake. There were some great characters in that series that totally were. They yeah. spotlighted. Yeah, and so that's what I'm going back through and rereading right now. Ralph hey, you know, Dibney. 
Ralph Dibney, yeah. Well, he was first spotlighted in Identity Crisis, and then yeah. he became the core character of 52, yeah. But you get these big overarching storylines, whether it's just in one book or, or across multiple books, what do they do as a whole? I mean, really, you look at, you know, Morrison's run, and it, it culminated with, you know, Batman dying, which really wasn't the setup. I think the whole point of Morrison's run was to reintroduce the Silver Age into today, plus, you know, put Damian Wayne in there, you know, because you're not yeah. going to keep and dead. So even yeah. though it had this big, long, you know, final crisis, that's really what happened with that. It wasn't, you know, final crisis was a meh, but it ended up saying, you know, Darkseid was killed. That was a big thing, although they brought him back in the new 52, but it, it established some, some stuff in it. Jeff Johns's run on the Green Lantern, huge overarching storyline. Well, first it starts with the redemption of Hal Jordan. He comes back and he brings you into the darkest night, uh, blackest night, not darkest night, blackest night. That brought back some old characters, <laughs> you know. I have to reread that because I don't remember. I remember reading it, but I can't remember all the characters I would brought back. I know Aquaman was dead, and they brought him back. So was Hawk Girl and Hawkman, the originals. Okay. Not the, sorry, don't quote me on that, but I remember them coming back. Yeah. Uh, and then that changed the whole light spectrum, which I think they're kind of go away from that maybe. You know, they created some good characters, though, like Atrocitus was created during that and mm-hmm. some cool stuff. So when Black you look Hand at, was big in that series. Yeah, Black Hand, yeah, who was a mediocre third line, you know, bad guy comes back and is just pretty nutso, you know. And I remember a lot of people saying it was just like a DC horror movie. That was pretty good actually. It was it was fun yeah. to read. So yeah. <laughs> fun read. I mean he brings back the Waynes for crying out loud. So. <laughs> but it was it was an interesting storyline. So you get a storyline like this last one, um what, what what does it do to the status quo of Batman? And, and the answer is, is nothing. I mean, it, it was a 10 issue arc that, Oh, Bruce Wayne isn't Batman again, which we just had, you know, four years ago, five years ago. And, um, I hope that doesn't become a continual thing is the only, the only thing I look at. Um, if you're going to, I would like to go to not one shots, but Hey, this month's comic is just a all encapsulating story. Next month, it might be two issues, then go to another single. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on 12-issue story arcs or 10-issue story arcs and stuff. So, yeah, And I think that's with – and not just and I'm not just saying that just because of Batman. But I'm just saying with any storyline, if you're going to take this character and put him through a story arc, what is the end result? What what changes? You know, what is – if you're taking this much to it, there should be something massive that happens. I mean, look at it. They killed Jason Todd in four issues, you know, if you think about it. Within four issues. The other thing, they made a mini series, what is a year or so ago, called uh, Arkham Manor, mm-hmm. where they made Wayne Manor, Wayne Manor a- into Arkham Asylum, and they basically, after that mini, they they like didn't even do a full story about. Nope. It, it just they pushed it under the rug. Oh, uh, Arkham Manor is somewhere else now, and they got Wayne Manor back, and yeah, it was weird. Although, you know, during the Battle for the Cal storyline, they released an Arkham series that was pretty good. It was kind of crazy. Um, the, the new Arkham, or what was it called? It was yeah, like four I, think, I think I never I never read it, but I heard good things about it. Really good little stuff. Some weird, weird little stories in there, you know. But it's you know they it's kind of like we were discussing the one time about how when the new Fifty Two launched. And the whole Joker and uh, the doll man, doll face, whatever, taking Joker's face off. Right. And they didn't solve it. It was like, hey, we did this. Cool. What do we do now? Oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> so <laughs> it, it's just kind of how it, it's a cool idea, but the follow through and what is the end result? What changes, you know? And, uh, I wish we would see, you know, put like the talent in one of, in Batman's, you know, rogues gallery, a talent to come back and fight every now and then or, or things like that. So just give me something, you know? Yeah. Um, that's why I'm enjoying going back and reading the old comics. I, it makes me re-love these these characters again and, and going back to these old characters, even the old villains for Batman's Rogues Gallery. I was just reading, uh, it was a compilation of the greatest Scarecrow stories ever told. Great Scarecrow stories. But yeah, so either way, that's enough about that. But it'll be interesting to see what Rebirth does. I've signed up for a few titles um, to kind of see what, what's, what it's going to do, you know. I, I Want to contact us on Twitter? I'm at Gotham Knight 13 on Twitter, and Seth is Seth must die. Seth must die. That's right. I shouldn't remember that. It's so unique. Yeah. Uh, we are on Facebook. Yeah, uh, like us on Facebook. We are on Facebook. If you want to send us an email, tell us how we're doing or not doing. We are Gotham Knight 13 at gmail.com. And we will be back. In about two weeks, with two more, too old, too new. Too old, too new.